Mindfulness Mode 447. So it's really about finding your unique time and creating a ritual. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode with me, Bruce Langford. Welcome to the show. So glad that you're here. Hey, I have a 12-minute meditation, a guided meditation that I've recorded. It will help you to be more alert and more focused after you wake up in the morning. You will definitely feel more invigorated after you meditate with this guided meditation. You can get it for free, mindfulnessmode.com slash awakenwithmindfulness focus. Now today, I have a fascinating woman on the show today, and some people call her their spiritual warrior for business success. What a great moniker that is. And she told me on the show that when she moved to California, she was fulfilling a life time dream and she found this tiny company to work with and within that company she was on a very small team that helped grow that business now get this to a value of 150 million and in doing that she knew she was hooked on helping people and businesses and entrepreneurs to have a bigger impact i think you're going to enjoy the interview enjoy the show sit back relax and take in this interview with Siobhan Moran. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, we are going to dig in deep today because I have Siobhan Moran here today. Siobhan, are you in Mindfulness Mode today? (laughs) I walk in Mindfulness Mode all the time. That's awesome. Siobhan Moran is a business advisor, master coach, quantum energy thought leader, and an author. And she's the founder of Energetic Solutions. She uses business principles with energetic techniques to help more than 25,000 entrepreneurs, CEOs, and leaders bring instant focus and shifts to clarity purpose and profits. So it's great to get a chance to talk to you today, Siobhan. I'm really excited about this. And I know that you have a new book about sleep that you've uh, you've just finished written and just put out there. And it's called The Secret Energy of Sleep. Now, I'm curious, why did you de- decide to call it The Secret Energy? Don't we all know that we need sleep? Like, what is this about, Siobhan? Yeah, so we know we need sleep. We kind of use it. We abuse it. We think, you know, here's the fascinating thing. Um, We talk about sleep almost as much as we talk about food and sex. (laughs) (laughs) And we think about sleep and how much we don't have it, how much we need it, and when we're going to sleep, when we're not going to sleep. It is a constant conversation in our heads that is really fascinating. And we actually, there are all of these I don't know. The reason I write my books is I find that a lot of the information out there is kind of fluffy mm. and, you know, just surfacy. And I deal with energetics and everything has an energetic component to it. And I start from the energetics first, which always yields a result, no matter who, no matter what, no matter what's going on. And sleep is one of those Um, things that it's not about more or less, it's about what is happening so that your energy is correct while you're sleeping so that you wake up with much more creativity, 
mm, you know, a happier attitude. You're able to, um, your body heals faster. You know, the headspace, you're super clear uh, much more easily. You're the, like, you can see the whites of somebody's eyes when they've really got their health and their sleep and their energy nailed. And what is the biggest problem with sleep? Is it usually people who find they can't fall asleep? Is that usually the biggest issue with people? Uh, no, I, I mean, that's a big issue. It's about when do they sleep? How much sleep should they get? Um, what's wrong with them if they're not sleeping through the night? Um, what's wrong with them with their partner? What's wrong with work? What's wrong with waking up at a certain time? And I teach people in this that how to find your own time because everybody actually has their own unique sleep time, which is kind of fascinating. Uh, and then how to find, you know, if you're waking up, it's not wrong or bad. It's there's something going on with your system. And then I teach you what to do about that and how to solve that so that even if you wake up one or two or maybe three times in the middle of the night, it's not like, oh, get up and write in your journal. No, no, no. You can do that. That's going to help. That's nice. But it doesn't get your sleep really deep. And we teach you how to make sure you prepare for a good night's sleep because most people don't even know how to prepare for a good night's sleep. We just, you know, we're awake all day and it's like, okay, I'm tired. I should go to bed. Right. Uh, there's actually there's actually a ritual of preparation that we could use that's going to help us sleep deeply and soundly and really get the nourishment that we need from sleep. And can you give us some inside scoop on what some of those techniques are to prepare before we go to sleep? What should we do? Um, you know, I think one of those is really create a ritual. Like I was just saying, yeah. it's rituals so it becomes systematized like when we're babies we actually have rituals before we go to bed we go to sleep before we're put down to sleep but as soon as we're adults we're up we gotta go we gotta hurry and we have the same attitude for sleep and we don't create um a, a packet of time that is going to give us the opportunity to have a ritual if you take a too hot bath before you go to sleep it's going to make your blood pressure rise if you, if you do this, uh, you know, obviously if you eat before you sleep, it's going to make your blood pressure rise, you know, so all of those are going to prevent you from having, um, from having a good night's sleep. So it's really about finding your unique time and creating a ritual. And what about your cell phones and screens and things like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's something fascinating. I actually have always, <laughs> I don't know why I've always been ahead of the curve, but uh, have no screens, have nothing that uh, you have on or that's going to beep or ding or a light. Like when you go into hotel rooms, there's the green light and the red light and the television light and the light and the light. And we, uh, I always recommend to uh, block those out. Right. So first thing I do around the room is I block all of those, all of those lights out because if we're in a, in a, in a in a foreign environment, we're actually going to wake up a lot and not get a good night's sleep, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, 
you know, even eye masks, they actually dry your eyes out if you use them. It's really, there are all of these really unique nuances mm. that that we don't know or we're not told. We're told not to drink water before we go to bed. Well, that's actually not true for every human. Most humans actually need water because they're processing through the night. So there's a lot to it. Um, there's a particular ritual of energetics that, energetics that we teach. I take I take people through that process from the beginning to the end. Um, like if you do have screen time before you go to bed, what to do about that? We actually have a process and take people through that, which is kind of cool. So what does that mean? You're the founder of Energetic Solutions. Tell us about Energetic Solutions. So mindfulness is awesome. I love mindfulness because it means that people are taking responsibility for what they're thinking and they're you know, being more proactive about how they're being out in the world. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we're all, you know, we're all these, we all have wires attached to us invisibly, right? Just like our Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always known and been sensitive to that. And I helped companies get built from understanding that in a unique way. And then I got sick, misdiagnosed, nearly died from blood poisoning and healed myself. And I was very curious as to how the body worked and why I could do something. And it didn't make sense that others were doing this other, you know, traditional Western medicine thing. And I didn't know the difference between Eastern and Western. I just knew that if I could, if I, I could build companies and I could heal myself. So I started dissecting all of that. Um, and then I saved a woman's life from using the tools that I'd used on myself. And I thought, oh, there's something more here. And um, I realized that there's an energetic component to everything. And I really just started thinking about Einstein, Albert Einstein, energy equals mass squared. And right, so the first component of what he was curious about is, you know, the different particles that are in the air, which is energy. Right. And I'd always seen that. I'd always thought about that. And I thought, wow, how does that apply to the body? What is that? What is that about? And I'm a scientist. I'm a, a computer programmer by training as a as a young child. Mm -hmm. And um, so I like to reverse engineer things. <laughs> and I started realizing that everything has an energetic component to it that is either helping, facilitating, or even hindering our health, it, our money, our relationships, our mindset. So if we solve the chaos and the energy first, the mind actually gets calmer and much more uh, resilient and less drawn to drama and emotional upheaval. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit more about energy because energy cannot be destroyed. Energy exists and no matter what, it cannot be destroyed. And so that takes us to consciousness. What are your comments on consciousness? When someone passes away, where does their energy go? Um, well, that's so what help me understand what you want to understand about consciousness. 
There's, we have lots of different, I, there's a lot of questions in that. Well, there are so many people who feel like, you know, once someone dies, they die. That's it. It's over. Or there, there are people that feel that that person's spirit goes on living forever and that it, you know, there's this sort of um, universal uh, consciousness where, you know, we're all living in that consciousness space. Is that part of your belief? Um, I have a, so I don't use beliefs per se. I, I, I'm a scientist, so I'm looking for, okay, how do we prove what's happening? How do we, how are we able to scan it and sense it with our fingertips? How are we able to understand it in our own human form? And the only way to understand that consciousness is to understand it from your own inner perspective. And if, you know, we could say that, yes, there is consciousness after, there are all kinds of different, different ways of having that conversation. But the first most important rule is to understand where you are and how you live and how you exist with other humans and energies around you, how you respond and react, uh, how you don't respond and react, how you get somewhat triggered which is an energy which then pings the brain, which then pings the rest of the body. So those particular pieces are far more important to work on ourselves so that whatever we have going on with us, no matter where we are in our life's journey or leaving the body, that we've dealt with our own stuff first. Because it's the people who haven't dealt with their stuff that actually linger for a long time having to figure out what's happening and they're in more pain and suffering. And the people who are waking up and doing the work on themselves are the ones who are leaving with more grace, leaving with more ease. Did you always want to be a scientist when you were a child? I didn't know I was being a scientist. I was just, um, I was just insanely curious about everything and why are humans the way they are and why are they not good to each other? And why, why is it that they have to bicker and fight and like create drama? I was just very introverted and just observing going, I'm not really sure why they're being like this. I have to figure this out. <laughs> and then I got into computer programming, <laughs> mm. which was perfect. Right. And how long have you done the kind of work you do now where you help other people with, you know, move forward in their lives? I've been doing it over 15 years. It feels like I just started kind of like every day. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Can you tell us a story about someone whose life you've transformed and, and helped through one, one tough area into another um, improved um, space? Gosh, a lot. Um, a health story or a, or a business story or like what kind of story? I have so many. <laughs> I'd love to hear a health story. Mm, awesome. So I would say um, there's a client who has actually come back into my world recently. And he came to me. He was a, a he had his own law firm. He was a partner in a law firm. And he came to me because he decided that he didn't want to do, he had prostate cancer and he didn't want to do traditional Western medicine. His doctor told him he was a lunatic and he says, I'm going to find a solution for myself. 
And uh, he ended up getting referred to me or found me. I'm not quite sure. And then next thing occurs, we set him on a, uh, we set him up on protocols and systems and you know how to live his life and it was very detailed. And uh, he, he interacted with his physician, his Western medical physician, on a consistent basis for tests. I like tests. I like to prove that the work is actually working. Um, and so he agreed that uh, his patient, my client, uh, would do this set of protocols that I recommended, and they would retest in six weeks. In six weeks, uh, the tumor was down by 50%. 50%, so, wow. Yeah. And so the doctor said, I don't know what you're doing. I approve, just keep doing it. Let's get a test in another six weeks. And so after six months, it was totally gone. Um, and, you know, during that time, we were, were working on that and we're looking for the root cause of what that was all about. And we uncovered that and helped him create the life that he has today, which he has a couple of very well-known retail stores here in Southern California. Very interesting. Very interesting. Do you consider yourself an empath? I think everyone's an empath. I mean, really, if you've ever felt bad around somebody or more happy around somebody, you're an empath. It's just some are more adept at the language around it. I'm very adept at the language. I've studied it. Uh, I teach about it. I talk about it. I'm curious as to how to help somebody get a result that they don't know how to get. But I'm, I think, all of this stuff that's in the kind of, I call it the woo-woo world, I, I think that we just haven't had a bridge like me of taking this language and making it super safe. Like I have these two older clients divorced, interestingly, and they came, and they came from uh, the daughter, who's a, who's a friend, for very different circumstances. And she's like, I cannot believe my 70-some-odd-year-old parents are totally into this. I said, because it's really safe. I make the language very ordinary and safe for somebody mm. to understand how it applies to their world and the results that they want. Your book that we talked about, The Secret Energy of Sleep, I think that's an amazing book that can help so many people. But you've also released recently The Secret Energy of Forgiveness. Yeah. Let's talk about forgiveness and how that's holding so many people back in their lives. Yeah, it's, um, it's really amazing how many people hold on so tightly to an idea or a thought or a wrong or... Um, or an injustice, even not done to them. And they hold on so tightly. And um, forgiveness is a gateway, uh, but we have a massive misunderstanding in the English-speaking world. Uh, and I happened on this when I had a whole slew of clients from different countries that came through, and we would talk about forgiveness. And I was like, oh, there are no words in their language for forgiveness. Really? That's true, yeah. And so I really dug deeper into it with each of these, with the Russian, with the Russian uh, culture. I had a whole slew of clients there and then a whole slew of clients who were Japanese and a whole slew of clients who um, uh, were Eastern European. You know, it just went, and I was like, oh my gosh, we have a problem. We have a massive, massive misunderstanding. 
And so I talk about forgiveness in a way of um, how does it affect the body, when it affects the body. And um, forgiveness isn't something we have to do. It's something we have to live and be from. Uh, But I take people through a process that unravels that in their body and their brain and their life so that the unforgivable becomes inevitable to be to be forgiven um it started with uh, a client of mine who pretty early on i still had i was still had this uh, i was still helping build uh, grow build and grow companies and this client came to me and she said i think you're the one to help me um i've tried to commit suicide nine times and i was like what makes you think I can help you? She says, because I've heard amazing things about you and I get a sense that you're the only one who can do this. And I thought, all right. So I took her through this process that I write, they ended up writing about now. And this is a while ago. Um, I took her through this deep process and she had all kinds of things with husband and affairs, just so much stuff. It was just like, oh, I see why you wanted to leave. Yeah, I get it. And um, she ended up being able to forgive and forget and move on and stay married and create a flourishing business with this person who was completely destroying her life in a lot of other really weird ways. And he just, he flourished into the most amazing partner ever because she released all of that really toxic energy in her system because of the things that had transpired. Wow. What a great story. Yeah. Were you ever bullied in your life or do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? I was bullied a lot. (laughs) Were you? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I was, uh, it's fascinating. I always, there's some, there's one of my posts recently, um, I found some pictures from my family and there's always this story in my family of, oh yeah, she was a fat baby. And you're like, oh, all babies are fat. And then I found this picture and I was like, oh dang, she was a fat baby. (laughs) 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 But the fascinating thing is, you know, fortunately, whatever they did, you know, I, I turned out into, you know, being a very thin fit person. And, and that's probably a very uh, good reason as to it. But here's the fascinating thing. That little uh, psychology thing that, that was shared um, really led people to tell me I was fat and all throughout childhood. It was amazing. And I look at back pictures and I'm like, I'm the exact same size as them. There's no way I was fat. Right. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I was, it was a lot. I mean, girls wouldn't choose me and boys would, you know, like teams would choose me last. And, um, you know, I had a kid. Well, here's an interesting story. Uh, The guy who's the head of Nine Inch Nails. Okay. I don't really know who they are, but I know the guy. uh, Actually did one of those. Vulcan moves that you do on the neck or something like that when I was a kid and tried to like take me out. (laughs) Oh, So yeah, I was totally bullied a lot. And, you know, I mean, I just took it. This is how I interpreted it. I don't, I, maybe I'm 
a little bit more. I don't know, maybe more advanced or something. Who knows? But I interpreted it like, oh, man, they have some problems going on. I'm sorry. I'm sad for them. Mm -hmm. And I think I had some really good parents who helped me, you know, find that. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Not everybody can look at it that way. And I think, I think that is a, a positive thing when you can re at least realize it's not me. You know, it's not something that's wrong with me, even though they're, uh, you know, picking on me or doing this mean thing or whatever it is. And as a child, that's hard to do. I think there's a one story that was a pivotal moment and all the girls we were at a sleepover and all the girls were picking on me and doing something I didn't un quite understand. And I was telling my, talking to my dad, probably crying. I don't recall, but, and I was like, why are they like this? And he says, they just don't understand somebody who is clear about what they want. Hmm. They don't understand this. And it's very confusing for them. I was like, well, why don't they understand? And so that was a big revelation for me hmm. of, oh, well, not everybody's quite there. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. As we move forward in the interview, Siobhan, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first okay. one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? I would say my dad. Yeah. His, his motto to me was, if you're feeling mad, sad, worried, afraid, uh, timid, shy, whatever, is go feed someone, hug someone, make them laugh, uh, or teach them. I like that. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Um, yeah, you know, I'm pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Oh my gosh. If you don't breathe, you die. If you don't breathe, your emotions are going to go kaplooey. Uh, so breathing is the catalyst for all of the body to do its magical work. So if you're not doing that, then you cannot, your mind will shut down and do crazy towns, you know, thoughts. For sure. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Um, gosh, I would probably recommend learn to one of my first books, learn to meditate in two minutes for the lazy, crazy, I'm time deficient. <laughs> okay. Because when I was in corporate and I was affected by all of these other people who had busy, crazy minds, I thought I had to as well. And I realized, oh, I actually don't. Uh, I don't have to be like them. I wasn't like them before. I don't have to be like them now. And so I actually wrote about it and how to unwind our, I call it poopy head. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anybody call it that before. That's funny. Well, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> <laughs> can you share an app which can help people be more mindful? Mindful app. Uh, I'm not, I don't really do apps. Um, or do, you, do any of your clients ever tell you about any apps that have been helpful? No, I make all my clients not have apps. Um, okay. So, in, so I'll give you two apps. Uh, uh -huh. One is for business, and it actually keeps you sane in your mind. And okay. it's called Trello. It's okay. Amazing. It's a beautiful way. Uh, and then, um, you know, I, I guess I'd say this other app that's really amazing. It's called iTunes. <laughs> um, because you can actually choose what you put into your head. 
Yes, you can. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Well, it's been really interesting talking to you, and I know that we can reach out with reach out to you and and order these books: "The Secret Energy of Sleep" and "The Secret Energy of Forgiveness." We can find them on Amazon. What's the best way to reach you? Yeah, uh, you can. We have a cool little toolkit. I think would get everybody woken up to more mindfulness, and it's called. Epic Life Toolkit, E-P-I-C-L-I-F-E-T-O-O-L-K-I-T.com. It actually takes you through seven exercises, How and it will help you unravel some of the things that are going on in your head. So I would say that would be the easiest way. Epic Life Toolkit. How yeah. easy is that? Dot com. Epic Dot. Life Toolkit. Dot com. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your expertise and your your mindfulness and your interesting way that you see the world. So it's been awesome having you on Mindfulness Mode, Siobhan. Thanks, Bruce. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, Awaken with Focus a 12-minute meditation just for you, recorded by me. You can be alert, focused after waking. That's what it's all about. Feel invigorated, fresh, and dynamic. Let your vibrancy feed those around you. Download this meditation to help you get going in the morning at mindfulnessmode.com slash awakenwithfocus. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.